0: I'm Stephen Strang, and welcome to this edition, this live edition on August uh, 17th uh, of the Strang Report. Uh, You can see it on YouTube and other channels as well. And my guest today is Jeremiah Johnson, as he's someone I've known for a while, and he's had quite an odyssey uh, the last couple of years, and we're going to talk about that today And I'll just mention for those of you who tune in on a regular basis that I recently did an Opine podcast talking about true and false prophets and used Jeremiah as an example of a man that I respect and who I feel has handled it responsibly. And when I said that, I thought, I need to reach out to him and do a podcast. So it's taken us a few days, but here we are. And Jeremiah, welcome to you. And um, maybe I should just tee it up. But for those who maybe don't know you or they don't know the history, but Jeremiah is a young man who has spoken out, and around the time of the election um, with President Trump and so forth, he made some predictions that did not come true as he spoke them, and he voluntarily stepped down from ministry And I'll have him, or I'll have you, Jeremiah, uh, explain that a little bit better than I am. And I just felt that it was responsible and in light of some of the prophets who have been saying some, in my opinion, pretty wacky things that actually dig in their heels. And so it was kind of the contrast. I think on my previous podcast, I said that I was going to invite you because I felt it's important to look at both sides. You know, we want to look at the positive as well as the negative, and I... I know you well enough and we've talked that I know that you don't consider all of this real positive, but uh, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good, and I'm just excited about the things I hear for your ministry. So I'll quit talking and let you talk. Why don't you do a little bit better version of filling in the blanks than I did and then kind of bring us up to date, which is what's happening with your ministry, and then also before
1: the program's over, I want to hear about your new book. Well, Steve, thanks so much for having me on today. It's a real blessing and a privilege to be with you. You know, as you mentioned, um, you know, my prophetic journey uh, has not only uh, been cultivated privately for a number of years, but has been uh, very public. Uh, Going into uh, 2020, I had had a three-part dream Uh, that was made public around the nation, and the three-part dream uh, in the first part of the dream that I had, I've been dreaming since I was a a young man, uh, was that the Los Angeles Dodgers were going to win the World Series as a sign to California that God wasn't uh, done moving there, and the second part of the dream, I saw Amy Coney Barrett being set in place as a Supreme Court Justice before uh, the the 2020 election, and her being set in place was a sign that Roe v. W- uh, Roe v. Wade would be overturned, and that a million women would gather on the Mall in Washington D.C. one day. And then the third part of the dream I saw was that Donald Trump would be reelected president as. as of the United States and so you know when October came around you had the Los Angeles Dodgers win the World Series so that was a fulfillment of the first part of the prophecy Uh, The second uh, part of the prophecy that I had was uh, correct. And even obviously recently Roe v. Wade was overturned. And I just heard from Lou Engel that they're planning on gathering one million women uh, on the mall in D.C. here, um, I believe, next year. So, you know, those first two obviously hit the mark and were a, a true predictive prophecy But then when the third part of the dream did not come to pass, I began to pray and ask the Lord uh, what he wanted me to do uh, about that miss. There was obviously a lot of of controversy, a lot of people believing the election was stolen. And honestly, because two out of the three... predictions had come to pass, I initially really felt like there was something happening, something going on beyond the scenes and took a stand. But Steve, when I began to really get in the prayer closet and really ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? I felt like he said, I want you to to publish a, a public letter because I am a public figure. Uh, my platform is international, and I felt like the Lord wanted me to apologize uh, for that failed prophecy. And so um, I did that. And um, what ended up happening, I, I honestly thought I was going to get a lot of hate mail from people that say, hey, if you miss it one time, you're a false prophet, even though I've had a history of accuracy. But I, I really felt like that—that's where the attack was going to come from. And it actually was the opposite. Uh, we ended up receiving verifiable death threats. We lost more than fifty percent of our financial base, and all of the hate and the criticism was coming from charismatic Christians that had followed me for over a decade, and they were really, really upset during that time. So that happened in January, 2021. And then in March, as I was just still trying to navigate everything that was happening, I felt like the Lord invited me into a deeper death, into a deeper crucifixion is really all I can, uh, describe it as. And I feel like the Lord said, Jeremiah, I want you to shut down your ministry and I I want you to get away with me. And so in March, 2021, um, just in the midst of a lot of warfare and a lot of hurt and pain, uh, we shut down, uh, Jeremiah Johnson ministries, the nonprofit that we had, uh, for, you know, years, You know, totally close that down. Uh, Again, just tremendous financial loss and pressure going on. And as I got with the Lord in that season, I I got offline for a period of time and just really sought him. And I felt like the Lord was inviting me to die to my public reputation, that it wasn't about whether I was really right or wrong, but it was about God inviting me into a deeper place of cleansing and relationship with him. And so, you know, I end up in July of 2021 at Joseph Garlington's in Pittsburgh. And there was a conference there, and of course, you know, we were on New York Times, Washington Post, the World BBC. I mean, everyone is talking, publishing this story, and I end up going to Joseph Garlington's church and sharing what had happened to me, like I'm sharing with you today and after i finished talking there were two individuals that came up to me and said jeremiah we see that you're under the power of satanic witchcraft from all of the death threats and all of the assault that you've been under and you need deliverance. And Steve, I have to say, it was probably one of the most embarrassing moments of my life on stage in front of a room full of people But as they began to pray and break those demonic decrees off of me, my body began to shake, and I began to receive a powerful deliverance that day in Pittsburgh that honestly has opened up a trajectory for even where I am today. But it was that that day in, in, in July of 2021, Joseph Garlington began to sing a song over me called, I Will Restore, I Will Restore. God says I will give back all that's been taken and more and so coming coming out from Pittsburgh um you know I I I told my wife I felt a 1,000 pounds lighter. I, I felt like I was seeing in color for the first time in a number of months, and things started changing dramatically after that. I felt like the Lord said to me, one man in his ministry had to die so that a global movement could be birthed in the earth. And so out of the ashes of that whole season, We birthed a global movement, which we now serve, called the Alter Global. Well, I want to hear about
0: that, and what
1: you're saying is so interesting
0: that I didn't want to interrupt your flow, but you said so much that we need to unpack. Uh, It's interesting that a lot of the attack you got were from, uh, you said, charismatic Christians, which theoretically— should never happen you know people that are filled with the spirit trying to follow jesus but anyone who's ever been involved in a church split knows that some of the nastiest people in the world are on either side of that church split and uh, i'll just leave it there Uh, a lot of the people uh, according to my observation were people that desperately wanted the prophecy to come true Yes. And I'll admit I was one of them. I wrote a couple of books about Trump. And the first one, God and Donald Trump, which I don't have here with me, but it was the best-selling of all of them, was really about the prophecies that happened as far back as uh, Kim Clement in '06 and '07. There were a number of other people, including uh, Chuck Pierce uh, and on. Lance Wall now closer to the election. I document all this And after the election, and Trump did win in 16, uh, none of the books that came out, none of them, talked about this. Even though it it was fairly public, and I did everything I could on the platform I have to put these prophecies on the record. Because a lot of times when prophetic things do come true, they're not easy to document. Either it was the original prophecy was not documented, you know, like that the Dodgers are going to win. Uh, you know, that's a pretty easy thing to see if it happened or not. And I wanted to go on record. In fact, one of the prophets, uh, we did a headline in Charisma Magazine, something saying, you know, this person says Trump is going to win. This was before the election. And he kind of scolded me. He said, I didn't really said, say that. He used some uh, disclaimers, I guess you'd say. Well, when Trump did win... Of course, he changed his tune. Uh, and I just thought it was rather remarkable. I also knew that there would be a lot of criticism. And as a journalist, and that's my training, I made sure to document it. Now, people can choose to believe or not believe what I reported, but we had documentation. We tried to, I tried to explain it from a biblical point of view. And part of it was that, does God raise up people who are less than perfect? Well, we know the answer is yes. And we're glad he does so that he can use people like you and me. But there were so many people, especially Christians, who expected something of Donald Trump that they don't expect of any other politician. To me, it was, it was hypocrisy. But there was a prophetic word. God did raise up Donald Trump. And a lot of these prophecies said that he would, this person, sometimes named as Donald Trump, sometimes you could just tell it was Donald Trump. He'd be in for two terms. And I wrote a book called God, Trump, in the 2020 election. Before the election, as my impassioned plea on how bad things would get if Trump wasn't elected, mine was not prophetic. It was predictive. And sadly, most of what I said either has come to pass or is coming to pass. And the other thing I did was I wrote a chapter on why he might lose. And it was one of my very political friends who encouraged me during the writing process to include this. I didn't want to really include it, but some of it was voter fraud and the other things that did come to light. Mm -hmm. Um, I I was on uh, the Victory Channel on election night. You know, they invited different people to come. They invited me. I was honored. You know, I'm a Christian journalist, so I'm in a little bit different category. And, uh, you know, we we dialogued about what was going on. We talked about the prophecies and different things. I personally, after January 6th, just backed off from that whole thing. I, I realized it was not my role. It was not Charisma's role to justify that or not justify it. There are a lot of things we don't understand. But one thing I'll say before we get back into our dialogue is that I believe that some of the Predictions, and I've written about this, and I've said it publicly before, was wishful thinking, and it was kind of like these very sincere Christian leaders felt that if I was God, this is what I would do, and I'm sincere, and surely God agrees with me. Now I'm saying it a little bit in hyperbole and, and very oversimplified, but I think that some of the prophecies that are spoken are the sincere desire of those who. Speak Speak, and in the body of Christ, in the well, the body of Christ is every believer in Jesus, but those who kind of believe um, how we do um, want prophetic voices, and sometimes they want their ears just tickled. So let me ask you: Do you agree or not agree?
1: Yeah, I believe that that's a a possibility, uh, Steve. That. Whether it's wishful thinking, you know, I I think that, you know, the difference between false prophets or those who prophesy falsely is really found in, you know, the motive, the intention of the heart. You know, if someone's a false prophet, there's going to be an agenda there where they're intentionally leading people astray from God. Versus a believer or a prophet could prophesy falsely and it be inaccurate. It doesn't make them a false prophet but I do think that there you know there is a lot of uh, things um, I know even just for me I needed to shut things down I needed to spend time offline I remember God saying to me I'm disorienting you to reorient you Uh, I just um, part of my season was just dying to all all of these things and just getting washed and cleansed and purified which is been so helpful to me on my journey now
0: well i think that's very wise and uh your story brings to mind a story about john paul jackson um he was a very respected prophet uh he he passed away of cancer a couple of years ago i knew him almost since college days he actually started in lakeland where you did and um Something happened in early in his ministry where his prophecies weren't exactly right, and he was kind of mentored by John Wimber. And he, he took a season where he kind of stepped out of public ministry and kind of followed John around or something. I'm probably saying it wrong. It happened a long time ago. But he was one of the few people who I, I think they sort of felt back in that era. He was probably in his mid-30s at the time, maybe early 30s, and they felt that he needed a little more maturity. Mm -hmm. And uh, he he may have even gotten some theological training, and he came back and had a very strong prophetic ministry. Most people who knew him uh, would have forgotten that story by now, but your story reminds me. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned that a lot of this played out on the national stage. This is what happens when you're a public figure. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there are going to be a lot of people who it plays out in their own church in their own fellowship among their family but there are a lot of people that can learn that when we hit a wall going 60 miles an hour we need to take time to heal or reorient or whatever so I really admire what you've done but why don't we use the 10 minutes we have left I want to hear about this wonderful thing that has blossomed because Uh, You know, Jesus even told the parable about the seed that says if the seed doesn't fall into the ground and die, life can't come. And we know that any farmer knows that. And so there's something beautiful. And each of us really in our own way has to die to self. And it's not necessarily just one time. In fact, it's a kind of an ongoing thing. And that's why I respect you as an example. So uh, I know a little bit about what's happened, but you tell us what's
1: happened with this uh global movement that is starting yeah so you know back there in in 2021 in july getting that massive breakthrough the the freedom that came in july of 2021 you know we just tried to follow the Lord the best that we could. And in March of 2022, about, you know, probably seven or eight months from then, I got a call on my cell phone one day from a pastor who was in North Carolina, where we live now, and God was calling him to move on to another state to be with his spiritual father. And he said that while he was on the phone, God spoke to him and said, give Jeremiah Johnson your 13-acre church campus for free. And so this was such, uh, Steve, a dramatic turn of events from March 2021, shutting everything down to then and and you know the Bible says the the sacrifices of God are a contrite spirit. It, it's a brokenness, it's a humility that God is looking for. but literally one year later we receive the keys to a 13 acre church property where God asks us to plant another church called the Ark Fellowship where we now have hundreds and hundreds of believers that are gathering here in Kannapolis, North Carolina. And so I do have a background in church planning. I've been planning churches. I have a Heart of the Father ministry there in Lakeland, Florida is a church I planted in 2010. But we planted the Ark Fellowship out of this property. And recently I handed the campus over to a team of pastors and we have just bought 17 acres down the road for the new headquarters of the ultra global where our vision is to have an amphitheater to have cabins we feel like God is asking us to go after souls host overnight camps the next generation but literally just and I really do give God all praise my boast is in him But but going from the death and the satanic assault and the death threats and even feeling like maybe my life and ministry—it's not so much about what I say, but I am a message to the prophetic movement that God is trying to bring us into repentance and humility and owning where we miss it, and I just recognize I I am a living witness and a testimony in this generation that like you said until a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies it can't reap forth life and so we're in a really exciting amazing season at the altar global here in Kannapolis North Carolina and actually this Sunday we're kicking off our very first uh, public meeting and going to cast the vision get the fundraising going and just really excited about what god is going to do well that is exciting and then we have less than five
0: minutes i want to hear about your book and then maybe we can cycle back around to what happened with uh, joseph garlington who i know very well i've known him since the early 80s at least and he he's a real man of god and that is significant what happened so tell us about your book
1: Yeah, so in the midst of planning a church, God blessing the altar global, um, I wrote a book called The Warrior Bride. Uh, conquering the five demonic strategies that Satan is unleashing against the end time church, Steve. I just I, I had a dream where I saw a bride, but the bride had commando boots on, and God began to talk to me about Him raising up a last days church that was going to know who they are in Christ and be equipped to destroy demonic uh devices that are waged against us so it's the warrior bride it officially comes out september 6th in bookstores around the world and this is my 14th book wow
0: you're very pro- prolific and people can pre-order it now on amazon even though it may not be available in the stores and i encourage them to do it it's with destiny image which is a very good publisher and uh, i hope the book does well Um, Recently, Greg Locke and some of the demon slayers, uh, we've done interviews with them, I've done podcasts, and there is a a breakthrough about overcoming satanic attacks, and sometimes people in the church don't realize that we are as vulnerable to satanic attacks as uh, people who are not believers, maybe people who have been in witchcraft or Satanism or, or the Freemasons or whatever... But talk to us about that, especially as it may relate to other people where there may be um, a need for for breakthrough in their own lives, and how would they maybe find someone who could help them? This happened spontaneously, obviously led by the Holy Spirit in a very public setting. You said you were very embarrassed by the whole thing, but you also got a major breakthrough. What do you think really happened?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I write in the book just about my own personal experience. You know, I, I would be someone uh, before this that might have been hesitant to talk about needing demonic deliverance. But out of my own deliverance, and Steve, I say we, we start at deliverance and we get into discipleship. And then as we get discipled, we walk in dominion. And I really believe that God is calling the church into a deeper realm of discipleship and dominion, who we are in Him. But we've got to get deliverance from demonic strongholds. Um, and I guess I, even from my own life, I, I was unaware of, I just thought I was having a hard season. I was going through just a process and was unaware. So I just want to encourage people watching today that God wants to set captives free. Yes, even in the church. And as you mentioned, there are a lot of great ministries, you know, Mike Singarelli, Isaiah Saldivar. There's a lot of great guys out there that are teaching on the ministry of deliverance and helping a lot of people. And uh, I'll
0: just encourage people to, give, to go get that book on Amazon. Um, I'll just mention that my new book, Spirit-Led Living in an Upside-Down World, has, has an entire chapter on the prophetic. I talk about, in fact, the only time I talk about Donald Trump in the book was about the story I told, and of course there's so much more, Jonathan Kahn and so forth, and then a whole chapter on the issue of deliverance. I feel that those are both very, very important parts of the spirit field life and people can, you know, get my book wherever books are sold. But I just wanted to say that I want to encourage people to hit subscribe to the Strang Report, hit the little bell so you'll be notified when we're live on Tuesdays and Thursday at four PM Eastern time, as we are now. And then of course it's on YouTube and Rumble and all the platforms on our own charisma podcast network. And uh, subscribe to my Strang Report newsletter. Once a week, I share what's going on, something that I think will bless you. And you can find out about me or any of my books on my own little website called stevestrangbooks.com. That's Steve Strang Books with an S. And uh, I'll just encourage you to go there. And also, there's a lot of interest in this. We've already gotten a lot of comments on this podcast, even while it's live. And people can go on even watching it later, and leave a comment or pose a question. If you have any questions for me, you can send them to info at charismamedia.com, and they pass all of those along to me. And um, share it with others. You know, we need to have a dialogue within the body of Christ. People need to know this story. We'll be writing about it uh, in uh, Charisma magazine and online and so forth. I think this is an important story, and one of the ways that you can let people know about Jeremiah's ministry and what's happening. And Jeremiah, why don't you tell us uh, how people can get hold of you, and in the few seconds we have left, I'll give you the last word.
1: Yeah, they can go to jeremiahjohnson.tv, or they can go to theAlterGlobal.com to follow our movement as we continue on. Thanks so much, Steve. And thank you,
0: Jeremiah, for taking Uh, your time to be with me. It took us a while to set it up, but here we are. It was a great interview. Thank you very much. And thank you for watching. Tune in again for another episode of The Strang Report on the Charisma Podcast Network and wherever you uh, watch or listen to podcasts. God bless you.
1: From 1975, Charisma has been at the forefront of reporting on revival, miracles, and the move of God in our world. Charisma Magazine is now going exclusively online to reach beyond the physical barriers of a print issue. Charisma Magazine Online is committed to bringing you the very best spirit-led content to inspire your walk with God in this upside-down world. Go to mycharisma.com for exclusive content today.